Just because I'm paranoid don't mean the universe ain't after you. What does that mean? Probably nothing, but it just blew your mind. Aloha everyone, Jeremy Zaney here, and you are listening to That's Right, because you, why wouldn't you know what you're listening to? Our and doing radio. Why do people do that? I mean, I do that as a host, right? I do that all the time. And you're listening to, like, yeah, I know what I'm listening to. I, I'm the one listening to it. Uh, like when people do advertising for their show on their show. I, I never understood that. Um, old man on porch. Get off my lawn. Guess I'm in one of those moods. I'm also in the mood to uh, continue to answer more Listener mail. Although, technically, this doesn't come from a listener of our Undoing Radio that I know of. Um, But, on the grand finale of the experience over there at unknowncountry.com, which was published on February 11th of this year, uh, I just a few days ago got uh, two comments in a row by the same person that I thought were our Undoing Radio worthy. So, We shall explore them. But first, here is a synopsis of what um, this grand finale of the experience, which is called Beyond Aliens and Interdimensionals, The Last Experience. This is what it was about. Um, The synopsis reads as follows. The finale of The Experience is here. Host Jeremy Vaney leaves us with a dynamic way of understanding the universe, our place in it, and beyond that will stick with you long after the final goodbye. Apparently that's true, because... That was February, and someone posted to me on September 17th, so (laughs) I guess it stuck with them after the final goodbye. So I will uh, just read these and then respond to them, and we'll see how much time this takes. And um, if I babble long enough, it'll be a full episode. If not, hey, maybe I'll have time to talk about the Living Mystery Symposium, which um, uh, I really should do. I mean, that's what this entire season was supposed to be about, and I haven't even gotten to it yet, so... Tick-tock, Vaney, tick-tock. Me, I'm Vaney. That's just the third person. Anyway. uh, This person going by witness endlessness says, I'm not sure how waking up slash going clear slash self-dying helps to comprehend dimensions beyond space-time and those who exist there. But then I don't comprehend existence without experiencing space-time, mass, and force, and I've never sought more than management of self. And then the next post by the same person on the same day. There's very little chance of the next podcaster being better than you, Jeremy. And scene. Yep, that's why I read this. Okay, good night, everybody. Let me start that over. There is very little chance of the next podcaster being better than you, Jeremy. Thanks for contributing so much. And now that the now that this person has greased me, here comes here comes the but. Pardon me, but I think of the universe as a subset of multiverses and multidimensional existences beyond space-time. I don't think the universe has to be denied to experience beyond it, and I don't see the universe as actively trying to constrain us. Maybe our ego is so encumbered that it must be killed. I don't see it. But then I have no comprehension outside of space-time. That's just me thinking out loud. And I appreciate all of this. And although there are very few words here in these two posts, I think that we can 
dissect them enough that you can see why it's worth being precise with the language when it comes to this ultimate spirit thing. Although, here we're not uh, necessarily talking about the ultimate spirit thing. Not completely, anyway. We're talking about what the universe is up to. No good, according to me, apparently. Unless I never said that. How will we find out? Let's go back. I'm not sure how waking up, going clear, self-dying helps to comprehend dimensions beyond space-time and those who exist there. So, this episode falls in line with my book, I'm to Tell You This and I'm to Tell You It Is Fiction, uh, wherein I uh, come up with a big miraculous revelation that, um, that there are beings who are extension, you are extensions of you and you of they that exist in other, completely other configurations of dimensions. And some of these people or beings, whatever you want to call them, intelligences have woken out of their own, whatever their own sense of universality would be into multidimensionality. So they uh, are communicating with certain Aspects of themselves in other dimensions, one of which may be you, one of which may be me. And uh, trying to wake that person up, trying to wake that being up, uh, at least into their own universal onenessiness, and then, of course, obviously beyond into the full wake state. But until you're in that full wake state, uh, this looks like aliens or merely interdimensional aliens. Um, something along those lines. It looks like an other. And it is both an other and not an other at the same time. It's essentially the uh, the transcendent sense of duality within non-duality. I'm starting to sound like a Deepak Chopra. What, what is that? What is that called? The Deepak Chopra? Like, randomized quote machine or whatever it's called? Um... <laughs> But anyway, somewhere in there is, I guess, what the episode was about and what I've been talking about. And so these beings, in order to speak with us or speak through us, they um, take on archetypes. They take on various forms that are comprehensible to us and deep, deeply connected with us. And um, so then we mistake them for those archetypes and for those forms. But the universe also does this. The universe also uses these archetypes and these forms to keep us asleep. Let's just say that. And now here's where the specificity of language needs to come in, which is that saying that the universe is doing this, saying that the universe is keeping you asleep, saying that the universe allows one to have uh, an experience of non-duality as an experience, uh, only to reel you back in to speak amongst your friends and family at the campfire and share this story, uh, to build more of the universe, to essentially take novel experience from outside of itself through you, through your own pioneering work, let's say, um, to build itself, to build the interiority of the universe. To say that that is what the universe is doing and is therefore keeping you asleep within itself, except for these brief flashes of experience, is to say that you are doing it to yourself. These are the same thing. So there is no, I mean, there is, maybe, but a universe that, you know, a, 
an intelligence all of its own called the universe that is, as we're saying, I mean, all of this is fractally true, right? So if we say that there are beings in other dimensions that are also you, but they're themselves, well, the universe is also you and the universe is also the universe. Um, I mean, this is true on a practical level, right? Like if you take out the uh, possibility that the universe has a personality or a persona or an intelligence that um, is active and alive of its own, if you just take that out of the equation, uh, if that's too much to ponder, um, the mere fact that the universe is comprised of the quote-unquote objects, the energies, the beings, the stuff that it contains is true. So you are the universe, and the universe is you physically at the very least. So for the universe to reject you or let you go would be to reject itself or to let itself go. Uh, why would that? Why, why would the universe want that? Um, and why would you want that, right? Which you don't. That's why it's unthinkable. Now, another um, piece of specificity that we need to get to is this person is saying, I'm not sure how waking up slash going clear slash self-dying helps to comprehend dimensions beyond space-time, blah, blah. All of that implies that there is this other person, this true person, who is left to comprehend these dimensions, who is going through the act of dying or going clear. I don't know what that, I think that's a, isn't that a Scientology term? That's not what we're talking about, but okay. But waking up, that there is one who wakes up. Um, but the death of self, which is the understanding of life and death, the complete death of self or annihilation of self is the waking up. There is no you that is doing this. There is no you killing yourself. There is no you waking up. There is no you going clear, I hope. <laughs> uh, so there is, therefore, no desire or goal of comprehending dimensions beyond space-time and all of that. If there is such a comprehension, if, if there is that, then through the act of understanding, which is also the act of self-annihilation, of understanding oneself so totally that the self dissolves, in that moment, if there is something of all of that, comprehension of space-time dimensions, uh, that is authentic uh, and necessary to understand, it will become the case that if it's, you know, truth, it will, truth will become you. And then, of course, when the universe reels you back and, and your self 2.0, your, your resurrected self, as it were, um, then that truth will just be wisdom or knowledge that you speak about. And then someone else writes it down and makes a ton of money at your expense. Um, pretty much how that works, right? But all of this, this idea of comprehending and wisdom and knowledge and truth and all that, in the moment of the death of self, that stream of what we call truth or any of those other words uh, is, is, is alive. The livingness of it uh, is you. 
that's you. Not the seeker, not the wanter, not the person who's like, I wish I could comprehend this. I hope that if I die, I comprehend it. I hope if I go clear, I'll understand this. Probably I don't need to, but... I mean, that person who thinks that they can um, argue or negotiate this stuff is the self-center, the same controlling self that is the one that needs to dissolve to, quote-unquote, know whether any of these things are true or not. Otherwise, like, who cares what your opinion or my opinion is? Uh, All that matters is truth. And so with that, let's go to the next one. Pardon me, but I think of the universe as a subset of multiverses and multidimensional existence beyond space-time. I don't think the universe has to be denied to experience beyond it. And I don't see the universe as actively trying to constrain us. Maybe our ego is so encumbered that it must be killed. I don't see it. Then I have no comprehension outside of space-time. Well, you, there you go. You answered it. Um, and, and that's just me thinking out loud. Right. But why are you thinking that? Right? Like, let, really, uh, for all of you who think that about when you hear this stuff, think about why you think that. You are the universe, and the universe is you. So if you're the universe, and someone comes along and says something that is antithetical to you, isn't it weird that the the most immediate thing you'd think is like, "Mm, that can't be true? Of course, because it negates you. It negates you as an autonomous being in the world. So, of course you would think that. To think anything else would be crazy would be laughable, would be illogical. That's the problem with uh, that which transcends and includes logic. From a logical point of view, from the thinker's point of view, it looks like it's pre-logical. It looks like, and here I'm stealing from Ken Wilber, who talks ad nauseum about the pre-trans fallacy, that logical people mix up pre-logical with translogical, because both are not purely logical. The difference is, translogical, one may experience or live, may experience as a state of mind or live as a stage of mind, and the pre is like just delusional or childish, which can be fake lived, (laughs) you know, (laughs) like Muppets. I mean, you know, I can get lost in Muppets being real people until I see a hand up their bum bum, and then, you know. Suddenly the magic's over. We're just beginning. I guess it really depends on who you are. Uh, in any event, well, I should make clear, if you don't know this already, that um, pre-logical is a stage of our human development. I mean, little kids are pre-logical, and so that reality is real to them. They can't know what we know, which is that their reality is garbage. And... Uh, <laughs> All right, I'll, I'll, I'll try to stop with the jokes for a minute. So, saying I don't think the universe has to be denied to experience beyond it. Again, it's the denial. It's not you denying the universe. It's not you denying you. You are the universe, after all. It is uh, that you, if you want to see what is beyond time, Right. If you want to see what is beyond your own psychology, your own concept of psychological time, 
time itself, then you have to be no time. If you want to see what's beyond duality, then you have to be non-duality. There is no way to peer into it and not be it, except with the knowledge of another person, which you can either believe or not believe. So you might as well not even bother, right? It's to be experienced or not. It is to be lived or not. So in a sense, you're right. The universe isn't to be denied. If you try to deny the universe to experience whatever might be beyond it, uh, then you end up doing something. You end up, you know, again, in your own self-centered activity of doing something where nothing is what must be done or not done because, uh, that actor is the one who must exit the stage. Not that you exit the stage. Not that you break out the big hook and hook them by the neck and reel them off the stage. That person, the hook, and the actor are all you. And all of that action must cease to see what's beyond that action, to see what's beyond the stage. And when I say to see, I, again, I don't mean that you see. I mean that the revelation, the reality, the livingness of that revelation, if such exists at all, will manifest as you. Not you manifesting anything. Not you denying anything. Not you embracing anything. Not you manifesting anything. You're no more. And there be truth. If truth be there at all. I mean, me just saying that, you can believe me or not. Uh, so, you know, it doesn't matter. <laughs> it's still, even, even if I am speaking the truth right now, it's still up in the air for you. So, that's why I say, if there, if, if there be. I mean, you've got to keep it in question. You can't just take my word for it. So again, I don't see the universe as actively trying to constrain us. Well, circling back to what I had said at the beginning-ish, um, you are the universe. So to say the universe is actively constraining you or us is to say that we're doing it to ourselves. You're doing it to yourself. You're doing it right now by engaging in these arguments of hypotheticals instead of just completely understanding yourself so greatly that... The brain stops projecting you because the brain understands you are a redundancy. And the redundancy is that the brain, the body, already exist in space and time. They already are the universe. And so there need not be some virtual reality replica called the you uh, running around in psychological time seeking answers to the self-identity of that which it, as an identity, is blocking out. And what this is really saying is that we may know truth, the timeless, and yada yada, in some manner, through other means, but we cannot be the self-identity of truth, timelessness, yada yada, through any means. And yet to be whole, to be wholly human, is to be Time and timelessness, the self-identity of, the sentience of, both time and timelessness. 
both the universe and the consciousness within which this universe manifests. And when we die to that, wake up into that, resurrect as that, you know, whatever the, whatever the precise wording is, I don't think that we have any for it. Um, do we not meet other beings who have already done this? And are those beings not also us? Because, you know, oneness after all. And so, again, to be clear, when you say it's possible that the ego is encumbered and so it must be killed, but you don't see it, it's really that the ego is something and that something is in the way of nothingness. In the way of nothingness, which again is consciousness, transcending and including the universe and therefore the body, for that consciousness to become the consciousness of the body. All thought must go. The thinker, all the little thought constructs that comprise the thinker, all of that, which is the, the brain is utilizing to seek this so-called higher consciousness or highest consciousness or transcendent consciousness or God consciousness or blah, blah, blah. Um, that seeker is the wrong tool. It's a really great tool if you're tooling around the universe. It's a great tool to use physically to go out into the world and, you know, drive a car, not forget your car keys, not fall into an open pit. But uh, it's also great to do inward work with meditation and all of that in the interiority of the universe to explore that way or through dreams or through hallucinogens. But when it comes to this ultimate merging of the self-identity of non-duality with duality, um, that ain't it. <laughs> you can't get non-duality through dualist seeker. just doesn't work. can't get to timelessness with a watch. Or a watcher, <laughs> right? There's still a witness witnessing. Well, that woodchuck ain't chucking. I don't know if that's a saying, but it should be. It should be somewhere from the South. Down in the bayou. All right, I think everyone gets this, right? Or uh, or your brain has exploded by now or something, probably. Um, so let me just, at the end here, switch it up and say this. Uh, it doesn't matter. <laughs> uh, the, the talk of interdimensionality, multidimensional beings, others that are also you, trying to wake you up, using mythological motifs and yada yada. None of that stuff actually matters because just like this so-called enlightenment we're talking about doesn't matter unless you are, um, that doesn't matter unless you're awoken that way to talk about it as a hypothetical is just that. I mean, it could all be crap, but furthermore, uh, getting a step ahead of ourselves, which is what this really is, which is my fault because I wrote the book and did the episode, right? Um, it's getting ahead of ourselves and knowing it, even if it's true, isn't going to lead to any sort of wake up. So ultimately, you are just fine to believe it is true or not true. Or just note it and go, huh, that's interesting, and move on. I mean, ultimately, when I talk about those types of things and write about those types of things, um, it is to crack open the mind, 
get you thinking differently or not, you know, I mean, lots of people do that, but I'm trying to like, I guess, shake people who already believe they're thinking differently into realizing, oh, wait, even in that I'm being complacent. Even there, I've just sort of dropped the ball um, because I think or speak differently than a lot of the people around me. Therefore, that difference is my awakeness or is me being imaginative and inventive and, and all of that. And it just, you don't realize you've become stale until you read or see something that's like mind blowing and like, Oh wow. Hey, that's different. And so at least in terms of UFO land and alien abduction land, that's kind of what I was trying to do there, which doesn't have anything to do with the reality or unreality of what I was writing. I'm just saying the function of it was was obviously not to be like, this is nonfiction, or I would have said, I'm to tell you this, and I'm to tell you it is nonfiction. But the thing that is undeniable and is true is that you are the universe, and the universe is you, and you want to exist. The universe wants to exist. Ah, you have so much in common. And this nothingness is the shattering of the self-sense, the shattering of the sense of existence the sense of being alive and being a person. It's just as true for you as it is for the universe. It's just as much a revelation as it is for the universe, because you are one and the same. You are right now a sentient, not the perhaps, but a sentient, um, self-aware and self-absorbed as are we all, uh, expression of the universe. You are that aspect of the universe. That right now is your function in the universe. I mean, this is what sets you apart from like, or at least me anyway, from the ducks out in the yard, from the dragonflies, from the fish, from the wild boar, from all of it. Dolphins, I don't know. <laughs> maybe maybe dolphins and, and elephants get a pass. They're, they kind of are better than us. I mean, actually, they're all better than us. And the reason that they're better than us from the ducks to the dragonflies to the fish is that they are living their true nature. They are not separate and apart from that pondering it and going, Hmm, I wonder if this is my true nature. No, they're just, they're in it. It's just that we bring something different to the table. Like everything brings something different to the table, right? That's why all these differences exist. And the thing that we bring to the table, our unique wholeness is not being expressed. We haven't, chewed our way through the cocoon to become the butterfly. And we may not. We may murder ourselves in the cocoon. In fact, perhaps we already have. We just don't know it yet, you know? But what you don't know won't kill you. <laughs> so get out there and <laughs> perform a death of self. No, no, I kid. Uh, again, there is no you that performs anything. Um, but you get the point, right? Like, a duck is a duck is a duck. They're all, they're ducks of greater and lesser intelligence, but they're all birds of a feather. They're all, they're all doing their, uh, their ducky best. And we're not. Um, we've doubled down on our delusions and that's where we live. And we think that that is reality. And then we cover it up by saying, well, it's just human nature. We're screwed up. And that's just human nature. We're just always going to be this way because we always were this way. And that just isn't true. It's true if, um, if there's a sense of evolution that we're supposed to be slowly 
pulling our way through, which is again, how we conveniently love to see ourselves gives us the, you know, all the time in the world to never grow. Uh, but what we're talking about here is a full mutation, a full transformation in the snap of a finger through a very simple and yet illogical and incomprehensible to the universe that is you that wants to live understanding of the self, of the human being, of why we do what we do without a judgment. This is where non-judgmentalism comes in handy, New Age folks, is applying it to you as you go. Not to make a judgment of good or bad, right or wrong, but just to understand, to really deeply reflect on why you think the way you think moment to moment, or why you feel the way you do. When you're feeling anger and feeling joy, to be able to, if there is a witness, to witness that and say, why am I feeling this way? And then to deconstruct it down to its core. And at the end of the core is, well, nothing. Beyond the core is nothing. Because you're not there. And what that looks like is the revelation that um, your problems are not your own, your joys are not your own. They're everyone's. Everyone goes through this. You ain't special. You are not solitary. You are not autonomous. This is a lie. And when you get that for yourself, not as an agreement or an argument with me, or anyone else that you read who says such things, um, when you really fully see that, ain't that an amazing moment out of time? The ending of psychological time. The ending of the self. And you are the universe. And the universe is you. What does happen when the self-identity of the body is no longer that of the universe? Or any object in it? Nah, but don't worry about it. Everything's at stake. Only that. I'm sure you'll be fine. Anyway, thank you, sir or madam, for writing to me. And uh, I hope you got a kick out of the fact that I did an episode about it instead of just responding to you in the thread. <laughs> All right. Till next week, everyone. Ta-ta.